0: Hello, Catherine here and welcome back to Should I Be Worried? A series where I talk about my fears and then analyze whether I should actually be scared of them. Today, I'm gonna be talking about a controversial subject that I don't really understand why it's so controversial, especially in the year 2019. It's surprising, you would just think that we have come so far And why is this still a thing that we we're talking about? But uh, it's vaccinations. And more specifically, it's the measles vaccination. Why I chose this topic for today is because the CDC just released a report saying the amount of measles cases in the US is the second highest. So this year, it's the second highest it has been since the disease was eliminated in the US in 2000. Now, the the number, and this is as of when I read this report earlier today, was 555 individual cases and they were reported in 20 states. And now I'm sure by the time that you're listening to this that both those numbers will be more. But that's what it said on this report And bear in mind, so I said it is the second highest uh, of any year since 2000. It's only April. So we're talking January, February, March, and then a week and a couple days of April. That's we're already at the second highest amount of measles cases. Now, there are a few outbreaks currently going on in the United States, and they are in New York, Washington, New Jersey, California, and Michigan. And I should say, outbreaks are just when there are three or more cases in a given area. And these outbreaks have been um, attributed to travelers from other countries coming into the United States. And so, in other countries, uh, like in Asia and Europe and other places, measles is more common. And so, these people are coming in and the people who are not vaccinated in this country are getting this disease. Now, what is measles? Measles is a highly infectious disease that lives in your nose and throat mucus. Now, symptoms generally appear seven to 14 days after a person is infected. The first symptoms includes cough, runny nose, high fever, red watery eyes, And then two to three days after symptoms start, you start seeing what's called coplic spots, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, which are white spots inside your mouth. And then three or five days after your symptoms, you then start seeing a rash break out. And so this is what people I think most associate with measles is this rash that kind of is just flat red, not necessarily bumps, but just flat red rash. That starts at your hairline and then moves down, and it, it's incom- accompanied by a high fever that could reach up to 104 degrees Fahrenheit, which is a, a dangerous fever. So, one thing that's particularly notable about measles is just how infectious it is. And so, they say that um, 90% of people who are not immune to measles that are in contact with a person who is infected will get measles. So 90% of people who are in contact with a person who has measles and that person, the person who (laughs) you are not immune to it, you will get measles. And another thing to note, measles, if you cough or sneeze or whatever, that measles virus can live in the air for up to two hours. Now I'm a bit of a dork when it comes to disease history. I like to know kind of where these diseases come from. So I did some research on just kind of the history of measles because ultimately I do think we can learn from our past and the... Um, I guess what you can say about measles is, one, it, it's been around for for centuries. There's reports of it being anywhere from the 3rd to 10th century of, of these reports that could be measles. It's not until, I think, the ninth century is when this Persian doctor um this it's been i guess the the attributed one where it's like the first documented case of of measles but then again there have been other reports from as early as the 3rd century so regardless been around for a long 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 time and um uh what people have noted at least um way far back is um they said that it possibly came from animals and it then it emerged with the development of civilization in the middle east and then like many other diseases measles crossed over into the americas thanks to the european explorers and the native american um, people who were on the continent at the time they did not have the immunity for measles and other diseases. And then because of that, many of them died. So that's a little history of measles. Then just kind of fast forward, international trading also spreads measles to pretty much everywhere on the planet, little islands everywhere. And then eventually U.S. Physicians are required to report measles cases starting in 1912. They said, we need to start reporting these cases. This is a big enough issue. We need to start reporting them. And I guess at that time, honestly, most Americans had measles or got measles. And uh, on average, about 6,000. So this after, after they started reporting these, these cases, they found that an average of 6,000 people died annually. Um, And this was just an average of people in the United States. We're not even talking about any other country, but just in the United States. Eventually, some scientists, so John F. Enders and Dr. Thomas C. Peebles, isolated the measles virus in a young boy in 1954. So the young boy had measles, they isolated the virus, And this ultimately kind of paved the way for the vaccination. It eventually uh, was licensed in the U.S. in 1963. And the goal set by the CDC in 1978 was to eliminate the disease in the U.S. by 1982. That did not happen, but the vaccine still reduced reported cases by 80 percent from the previous year in 1981. And now you see measles most um, often bundled with mumps, rubella, and varicella. It's the MMRV. And I'm not going to go too far into detail about this, but there was also a bit of an outbreak that caused... um, people to, or doctors to start giving um, children a, a booster of measles just to make sure that they are not infected. So that also happened, not going to go too that gets pretty science so I'm not going to go too far into that. So like I said, when the U.S. Physici- physicians started to report cases of measles, they said about 6,000 people annually died from From measles, now we're obviously much more advanced medically and technologically than we were in 1912. But even so, if you get measles today, one out of four people still have to be hospitalized, and then also one out of every 1,000 people get encephalitis, which is the swelling of the brain, and then one to two people in every thousand who have measles will die. So when we're talking 2019, and we're still at one to two of every thousand people to get measles will still die. Other complications from measles include pneumonia, diarrhea, ear infection that results in one of 10 children getting permanent hearing loss. And this is actually, this is the crazy one. Um, So there's something, and I'm gonna butcher the heck out of this subacute scleralocine panacephalitis. It's a rare fatal complication of measles, and it's a disease of the central nervous system that generally develops seven to ten years after a young person has measles. So these kids, they have measles, they seem to fully recover from it, and then seven to ten years later, they get this fatal complication that results in, uh, well, in death. So I'm going to conclude this episode with a little bit from, uh, Roald Dahl, who is, who was the author of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and James and the Giant Peach and a bunch of other pretty well-known children's books. He lost his daughter, Olivia, to measles, and he wrote this later kind of as an as a encouragement uh, for other people to vaccinate their children so I will read that Olivia my eldest daughter caught measles when she was seven years old as the illness took its usual course I can remember reading to her often in bed and not feeling particularly alarmed about it then one morning when she was well on her road to recovery I was sitting on her bed showing her how to fashion little animals out of colored pipe cleaners And when it came to her turn to make one herself, I noticed that her fingers and her mind were not working together and she couldn't do anything. Are you feeling all right? I asked her. I feel all sleepy, she said. In an hour, she was unconscious. In 12 hours, she was dead. The measles had turned into a terrible thing called measles encephalitis, and there was nothing the doctors could do to save her. That was 24 years ago in 1962, But even now, if a child with measles happens to develop the same deadly reaction from measles as Olivia did, there would still be nothing the doctors could do to help her. On the other hand, there is today something that parents can do to make sure that this sort of tragedy does not happen to a child of theirs. They can insist that their child is immunized against measles. I was unable to do that for Olivia in 1962, because in those days, a reliable measles vaccine had not been discovered. Today, a good and safe vaccine is available to every family, and all you have to do is to ask your doctor to administer it. Now, Dahl does go on, and you can find the whole piece on his website at roldoll.com. Yeah, I guess that's a, I think, a good way to end it. Pretty good testament on the, one, the dangers of measles, and two, the importance of the vaccine. So yeah, that's it. I think um measles obviously. I, I don't want to get too political because on like there's not much else I can say to persuade anyone out there. You've all heard doctors and scientists and people with so many more degrees than I have saying vaccinate your kids. So I'm not I don't I'm not uh, that egotistical or that uh narcissistic enough to think that my incredible voice will make you vaccinate your kids I know that's just not going to happen if you already are set on it I don't know what else I as a everyday Jane can what I can do to make you vaccinate your kids but I guess you know I can I can tell you the dangers of measles and if by chance that changes your mind then I have done something worthwhile and I can go to sleep happily. Thank you again for listening to Should I Be Worried? Again, I do a YouTube video as well. You can look for that on my channel. Just type catchrat1739. That's my username from middle school, I believe, but it's a good one. So, or at least it's the one that I've been using, so I'm not going to change that. You can find that on YouTube or you can also type in, I believe, Should I Be Worried and also find those videos. Again, thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.